Thank you all for coming out today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you, bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me and trusting me with this people. Uh, bless you for that. And uh, let's pray. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this amazing day you've given us. We ask you to rule and reign, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you for blessing every household represented here today. Give us, Lord, a hearing ear and a heart to receive and a mind to perceive what you would speak to us today. And in the precious and amazing name of Jesus Christ, we pray and agree. And the people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, the last time I was here, I was talk we were talking about God was giving us information on being in one accord, because it's really important to be in one accord with God. That's the order of his house. Uh, we started out with Philippians 2, 1 to 11. I'm going to read probably three or four scriptures that will kind of encapsulate the whole meat of that message. In verse number 2, Paul says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Then if you drop down to verses um, 5 to 7, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Hallelujah. So God is encouraging us to be in one accord with him, in agreement with him so he can release his power over us. So in that vertical place that we're in agreement and alignment with God, he enables us to have an attitude of agreement and one accord and love on the horizontal plane. Amen? So look at uh, 1 Peter 3, verse number 8, if you have your swords there or if you're taking notes. It says, all of you should be of one mind. You see, we, we're the body of Christ. And so if we're, if we're not thinking along the same chord, uh, uh, the same line, we're out of order with his will for us. We can't be fragmented. We got to be in unity and thinking along the lines that God has for us. Because agreement, when you think about it, agreement releases God's commanded blessings. Read Psalm 133. It tells us that's the place he releases extra grace upon us. It says in Matthew 18, 19, that if any two of you touch and agree anything, I'm going to give you your request because you're standing in agreement. Now, I like what it says in Hebrews 5, verses 7 and 9, talking about Jesus. It says, when Jesus prayed, he was heard because of his reverent submission. He humbly obeyed God. So God honored and empowered him because of that obedience. That's telling us that Jesus is our premier example, number one, of obedience, but secondly, of the power that's released by obedience. And see, we know that Jesus walked in power constantly. He was healing everybody who crossed his path. He was wrecking funerals. He was feeding thousands and thousands of people. He was, he was amazing. He walked in strength and power. 
That's because of his surrender to the Father's will. Because that was evidence of him being in agreement, being in one accord, and being in one mind with his Father. So that's telling me that we got to be reverently, uh, reverently submitted to God, and we have to humbly obey God in order to have more power, more peace, more prosperity, cha-ching, in all the things that we do. I mean, and prosperity is more than just the cash. It's being wealthy and, and wise in the things that you do, prospering and making progress in everything that you put your hand to. Amen? You see, you have to remember that obedience is placing us in agreement with God, in that oneness, in, one our, in our mind. We're facing towards God. So we're in alignment with his order. So we talked about obedience being like a loyalty, being devoted, being consistently faithful, especially when difficulty comes to kind of test that, that commitment to God or to your, to your work or to your family. Remember Isaiah 119, it tells, it tells us that if we're willing and obedient, God's going to give us the best. He's going to give us the best in the land. He says you will eat the best in everything that you have. And the good news is that God himself will enable you, equip you to do all that he asks you to do. So you got a partner helping you walk across those hot coals. You've got somebody urging you on, cheering you on. God's got the pom-poms out saying, you can do it. I'm going to give you the strength and the power and the ability to do exactly what I told you to do. In Ezekiel 36, we looked at last time, verses 26 and 27, it says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to put a new desire in you, so you're going to be looking to me. I'm going to give you an appetite for me. So then we develop a willingness and an availability to God that makes us a candidate to receive everything. Everything. Say everything. Everything, everything that he has for us. So you got to remember, our God is a God of order. He is the God of order. So if we're disobedient, then we're out of order and we're contrary to his plan. Besides that, disobedience brings chaos into your life. It opens up the door for the enemy to have access to your life. You don't want that. So order is how God rolls. That's what you, come on now, gotta have some order. <laughs> we can't have those little foxes coming in there destroying and spoiling our full potential to produce. We can't, we can't allow that and see, the little foxes are the things that we allow, the things that we do that do not match who we are. If I'm a child of God, then I gotta be following my Father, amen? amen? Something that helps us to participate uh, in order and following God is worship because it changes us from the inside out. I think sometimes we're singing the revised standard version of, uh, from the church of what's happening now of I Surrender All. Because we're singing, I surrender all, except for overspending on my checkbook. Ah. 
surrender all, 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 except for getting on church on time. Oh, hallelujah. But listen, you got to remember that worship is the most powerful weapon against the enemy. I got to participate. You know what? I, I learned that, Pastor, that 10 to 12% of Christians tithe. When God wants to release a corporate blessing over his people. But we're trying to buy Happy Meals instead of bringing that $100 bill to church. Amen? Amen. And here's the deal. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey me. You will keep my commandments. Remember that part? See, some things have got to matter more than me, myself, and I. Like him, for example. Like his word and his plan for my life. Like all the blessings that we need from him. Can he trust you with more when he can't even trust you to be at his meeting on time? You know, if your boss called for a meeting and you didn't show up on time, what would happen? Mm -hmm. Would American Airlines wait for you? Mm -hmm. I'm just asking. See, a lot, a lot of times, seem like we, we want a, a no-cost, least-effort, great-all-rewards program. But it doesn't work like that. You know, God is calling us to greater. We want all the blessings that he has, that he has for us. But we got to participate so that we get those corporate blessings. And see, your disobedience is going to keep me from getting the fullness, too, because it's corporate blessings that he wants to land on us. I can't do my thing when there's a we assignment. We all have to participate. So you got to know, listen, this is a great statement. The great things of our purpose and destiny are going to manifest and activate when we decide to seek agreement with God, when we're in one accord with God and we order his, we honor his order. Am I helping anybody? So your best days are ahead of you when you decide to honor God. Amen, Selah. Now, like order, obedience is of absolute importance to God because it proves your love for him. It makes God central to your whole life. He doesn't want to be number one because we'll get busy doing number 37 on the list Number 13, and then what else? I got to do 47 because that's important too. He has to be central to your thinking, to everything that you do. Remember, obedience is really about silencing your fleshly need to have your way, to, to honor your choices, to do your thing. And obedience, listen, is a discipline. It's a choice to reach outside of yourself outside of your motives, outside of your agenda, beyond your appetite. And thirdly, in Deuteronomy, this is a powerful statement in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, that's the list of all the blessings that we get. We're familiar with that. But I want you to look at verse number one of Deuteronomy 28. It says, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all the commandments which I command you today, here's the catch, 
that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So he's positioning you before he pours upon you all of his blessings. Now, as I was reading that, the Lord imparted to me the nations, like the nations of poverty, the nations of sickness, the nation of depression, the nation of opposition against your purpose. He's going to set you above that when you obey him, when you're heeding his voice and you're following his directives in your life. That's powerful. Amen. That's what, we're, that's what he's seeking for us. The Bible tells us that obedience is better than any sacrifice that you think you could make for him. Obedience is great and there's no substitute for it. You see, because God already gave and sacrificed his best as substitution for your hot mess. Just saying, I'm just saying. Now we, we, we also talked about real obedience being produced by the Holy Spirit and your availability to God. See, our availability to God is giving him all access to every room in your heart, every place within you. You're giving him access to you, to, to reposition you, to shift you, to refine you, to cause you to, to face forward towards him. Acts 3, 26 tells us that God, having raised up his servant, Jesus Christ, sent him to bless you and turning every one of you away from your iniquities. In other words, he turns us from our proclivities towards sin to a righteousness that he enables us to become. What a package deal. He takes us out of our mess and makes us a message. He walks with us through every trial, every challenge, every test to bring us to the point that we are a testimony to the glory of God. And at that point of our obedience, God can use that obedience to bless people, to deliver them, to bring conviction, to change their lives, to bring encouragement, and to heal just because you're facing forward and you're following your God. That's powerful. That's the result. Gabby's here because of your obedience, ma'am. I just want to say that again. So today I want to expound a little bit more on the order uh, and of being in one accord. You got to realize this, people, that Christianity is about following a savior, a savior whose name is on you, like a husband, okay? It's not about joining church. It's not about a denomination. It's some cult or some religious experience. It's not about us. We got to stop living single. We got to stop living la vida loca. Like we lost our minds. It's about living for God. And he, listen, he, he desires relationship. That's the whole reason Jesus came, to get us all hugged up with God again. And that relationship is going to produce fellowship, and it's going to produce followship. So he came up, God came up with this idea of covenant, covenant promises that he's giving us. It's all his idea. 
That covenant gives us all access to who God is and to all he has. We're bringing to the table nothing but some deficits and some sin and some cray-cray. And he said, I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going to change you too. He's going to help us out. So it's his idea that we follow him to become like him. You know, there's a saying that whatever you focus on, you become like. So if we begin to focus on God, voila, we're going to be looking like Jesus. Amen? So that, that relationship is going to make some demands on us. It's something that both parties will participate in, and they have to, they have to connect and commit to that. It's like a, like a partnership. So, so no matter how we look at it, God has still given us more than we could ever than we could ever give him back. But we can give him our faith and our love and our obedience. He's telling us that I'm going to lead you. Just follow me. He says, I'm way smarter than you every day. So I'm going to teach you a few things. And he blesses us more and more and more the more we yield. The more you yield, the more you yield. You'll get that later, okay. Okay. <laughs> So, so, so listen, it's, it's urgent. Thank you, somebody. It's urgent that we understand the principle of fellowship, following after God, keeping our eyes on him. Another name for fellowship would be obedience. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. So you can stay blessed. So you can receive the abundant life that I promised you. You know, the, the word abundant in Greek is parisos. And it means superior and superlative in quality and quantity. That's what he has for you. He says, follow me because he wants us to grasp hold of our worth and our purpose and our value to God, which is never ever about what we do or what we have or our performance, or how well we, the, the praise team did in church. But the idea is, we have to understand, God saw you in heaven before you even answered his call. That's what he wants us to understand. It, he tells us in Ephesians 1.4 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. That's a shout right there. Man, that's, that's so romantic. Is he like Latino or, or Italiano or something? Woo, Jesus. I love you. Man. See, in other words, if we get a glimpse of God's passion for us, if we just understand his love for us, we're going to want to relinquish our, our, our rights to do life our, our, the way we want to do life or to do God the way we think we should. He wants us totally changed in our heart and our mind. That's why he gave us that new heart. Amen? When you start hanging with God, you're gonna start seeing differently. You're gonna start seeing beyond yourself. And because of those new eyes, you're gonna be able and able to love more than just yourself. You're gonna be able to love like God. 
It's powerful. In fact, if you, if you start hanging with God, what I've learned, it will cause you to love people who are present in your life, but absent in responsibility and reciprocity. You give them everything, they'll give you nothing. They don't give you respect. You've given them love, but they give you no appreciation. They're present but absent, but you can still love them because you've got the love of God on the inside of you. And that's some, that's some serious love. It's the same love that he did for us when we were so unlovely, when we were so unsaved, when we were so, oh, oh, oh. That means out of order. <laughs> but he loves us so hard. He loves us so well. And see, the Holy Spirit is enabling us and teaching us what we don't know yet. We need to know a whole lot more, okay? The Holy Spirit is teaching us what we overlooked, the things that we were wrong about because we got misinformation. He's teaching us because we've had a lack of understanding about so many things. And he's teaching us to know who we are as our, our, our true identity as God's child. And then after he's infusing all of that in our spirit, he begins to restore your soul, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, giving you stability in your life. That's powerful. But people, if we're still full of our flesh, our own ideas, our own understanding, our own belief system, if we're full of cultural or ethnic methodologies, you know, those unlike godnesses that we grasp hold of sometimes, if we're holding on to pain and the past and, and grief, like those old five-pound cell phones that came in a suitcase and are obsolete, <laughs> beyond the cellosaurus, way beyond the cellosaurus, then we're being out of order. We're being out of his will. We're not in one accord with God. And he's big, big, he's huge on order and obedience and agreement. See, when we go through those changes, when we, we allow him to work in our lives, it's like he's refining us as pure gold. He's extracting from us every impurity, everything that's not like him, so that we look more, we're free to look more and more like him. Look what Matthew 5.17 says in the message. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law, and you will have trivialized yourself. Mm-hmm. Take it seriously. Show the way for others, and you'll honor, you'll find honor in the kingdom. Verse 21 says, you're familiar with the command, do not murder? I'm telling you that if anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder... Ouch, hallelujah. Jesus. You know, it, it's hard to follow when our eyes are looking at me, myself, and I. It's hard to follow God when we choose to look behind, forgetting those things that lie ahead. It's hard to follow God when, when our feelings rule our lives or when we refuse to hear more than our own voice. That's not good. See, the task is allowing all that to land in our spirit and allow the word to work for us. 
because the word, listen, discovers our condition. If you have your sword there, look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse number 12 and 13. <laughs> Hebrews 4, verse number 12 says, Interesting. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm talking about your heart. And there is no creature hidden from his height, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, the word is God. So when you're reading it, it's like, it's like you're, you're looking in a mirror. In fact, those, those 10 or 20 times magnified mirrors. It's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, I need to see that. All right, I'll do right. I'll do better, Jesus. I promise. I don't want to see that no more. But he'll help you get better. He's going to help you get well. See, the, the, all the effects of grace. Now, grace is like God's divine influence in you and on your life, in the person of Jesus Christ. See, all that's going to happen, the effects of grace will happen when we yield and surrender to be in one accord with God. And when we, when we kill the flesh that's constantly screaming, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to love those people. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't like it. Eat your spinach, okay? Because, listen, it's time to stop doing less than we should when it comes to being a real, from-the-heart, authentic Christian. It's time to stop auditioning for acceptance, trying to fit in, trying to fit in so we can be liked or loved. You know, listen, you already got your role in God. You're starring in his movie. It's time to stop being Christian-ish and playing church because you are the church. It's time to stop part-time loving God because that would be spiritual adultery. It's time to become more and more and more and more like Jesus for everybody to see. Jesus tells us that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. People, this is the earth he's talking about. This dirt right here. He chose dirt, earthen vessels to put treasure in. And he's trusting you with himself. How are you handling all this majesty you know it says 170 times in the word that God promises to give us the land but we still have to take possession of it and the first land he gives us is this land right here yourself you're born you're given life the selfful flesh part we have to develop self-control the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5:22 is self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but I've given you the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And that word sound mind is also translated self-control. We gotta develop it by his grace. He'll help us. 
so we're not cray cray every day day. Okay, that didn't go well, all right. Another point. <laughs> Did you know, listen, that locusts always keep their rank and although their number is legion as they swarm, they do not crowd upon each other so as to throw their columns in confusion. This remarkable fact in natural history shows that God has infused his spirit of order in the universe. So from the smallest creature to the planet spheres, to the seraphim and cherubim and the archangels and every living creature in heaven, we all, we all see that the spirit of order is upon them. Wouldn't it be wise for us as believers to be ruled by the same influence? Just a thought. Hmm. God said, when my presence, it's a powerful statement, when my presence is the focal point of your consciousness, all the pieces of your life will fall into place. All the bondages, all the bandages, all the grave clothes are gonna fall off. Then his spirit will flow out. His spirit, rather than our issues. That's powerful. Remember John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than, the, than to lay down his life for his friends. See, Jesus not only laid down his life for his friends, but he laid down his life for his enemies. That's what we were, we used to be. But now can we lay down our grievances and our, our lack of understanding, our ego, our disagreements, our issues with people, every unforgiveness? See, if we would lay down every out of order place in our heart, God will fill every empty space with himself and his love and his power and his grace, his prosperity. See, that's his divine order for us. I want to say this in closing. God is saying, this is for you, Gabby, I'm pouring out my spirit to drench your life in me. All we got to do is believe. All we got to do is follow him. He says, then you will receive my abundance in every place you are in the name of Jesus. Do you receive it today? Bless you. Thank you.